Uh, today, uh, I'm gonna, we're going to attempt a guided reflection. So I want to share a sense of what it's been like in Cambodia in a, a bit more depth. But I want to do that allowing God's Word to guide that reflection. And so we're going to use Psalm 30 to help us as we uh, think through our time in Cambodia and as we share together all that's been happening. So a theological reflection on our time in Cambodia using Psalm 30. So if you've got that open, we'll be working our way slowly through it, uh, kind of a couple of verses at a time, and then some reflection following each of those. Uh, the reason I uh, went with Psalm 30 is two reasons. The first is that it's a psalm of thanksgiving. Uh, you'll see by the content how uh, the psalmist praises and thanks God. And I think that is the tone or frame, the way that I want to think about our time in Cambodia. Even though it was a bit of a roller coaster and many ups and downs, as I look back now, I'm thankful for that time. And so this psalm matches that, uh, this reflection in that sense. But also Psalm 30, uh, the second reason that I chose it is that Initially, it started off as an individual psalm, like a, one psalmist wrote it, and you can see here, he's talking about, I, I prayed, um, I, I will never be shaken, uh, my heart may sing. So it's, it's, it started off as a personal prayer, but then actually in the life of Israel and over time, it was used by the whole community. And so what started as a personal thanksgiving morphed into a communal thanksgiving that they used, as you can uh, see at the heading, at the dedication of the temple. And so my prayer today is that as I share about Cambodia a bit more, we can join in like this psalm in a communal form of thanksgiving for the partnership that we have with CMS and as we head to Cambodia again. So Psalm 30, and we'll start at verse 1. A psalm, a song for the dedication of the temple of David. I will exalt you, Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. Lord my God, I called to you for help, and you healed me. You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down to the pit. These first three verses really set the theme of the psalm. They begin by announcing, you can see, he, he, I'll exalt you, Lord, I will praise you. And why? Because God has lifted him out of the depths. Verse 2 contains a pattern that then we see occur again and again in the psalm. In this psalm, I called to you for help and you healed me. The psalmist begins in trouble and so he calls out and then God acts. He saves, he heals. Now this healing, it could have been that he, this, the psalmist was sick and yet the word also contains just... A, a general sort of crisis. So it could be any, any sort of trouble that he was in, and yet God has acted to save him out of this trouble. And this pattern of, I guess, crisis through to salvation, we see again and again throughout this psalm. So in Psalm 3, when the psalmist talks about, you brought me up from the realm of the dead, a saving from a time of crisis. In verse 5, it's matched by anger and then favour or weeping, and then rejoicing. And in verse 11, it continues on from wailing to dancing or sackcloth to clothing with joy. The psalmist praises God, as he says in the beginning, because God has saved him. 
These three verses contain uh, three points that I, I want to talk about briefly. The first is that in, in the first three verses, there's seven actions that occur. Two are, are done by the psalmist. So he praises and he, and he prays. Probably praise and then praises is the order, but in the psalm it's the other way around. But the, the other five actions are all God's actions. So God lifts up. He doesn't let his enemies gloat. He heals, he brings up, and he spares. What you have in just jam-packed in these first verses is this beautiful vocabulary of how God saves. It's not just that God loves him. He can talk about it in lots of different ways. And you know when someone loves something or knows something well because they, they, talk, they can't stop talking about it. They talk about it lots in different ways. Like the psalmist later will talk about God's law and uses like eight different words for it. Here, there's just this rich diversity of how God acts. And so when we know when people care for us, yeah, we can say in summary that they love us. But we can talk about it in different ways. Either they provided for us, they cared for us, they guided us, led us, rebuked us. We use all these different words and the psalmist can speak in ways that just help us understand God in a richer depth and what He's done. But it puts a focus on God and what He has done. And one of the temptations for us in this six months is that we go around visiting churches and it's very easy to slip into the things that we have done, what we have done. And yet this psalm is a reminder that it has been God who has been at work through us. It's, we need to focus on what he has done, what we have, how we have seen him at work, rather than the things we have done. The second thing from this verse is, is uh, the close association in verse 1 between death and enemies. So he begins, I will exalt you, Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths. That's you know, uh, a way of speaking about death. And you did not let my enemies gloat over me. Death and enemies. What the New Testament does is, from this and many other passages, begins to speak in the New Testament of death as the last enemy. So Paul can talk about that in 1 Corinthians. And we see that God saves and provides for us in so many ways, and yet, foundationally, what Jesus' death accomplishes is rescue from death, eternal life, forgiveness that leads to eternal life. And so while we want to share about how all the different ways that God is at work now in our lives and in Cambodia, as we go to Cambodia, we want people to know that they have been, there is a way through death. There are ways being made by Jesus' death. And so we see that there the, what needs to be our focus as we head back to Cambodia again. The third thing I want to talk about from these first few verses is what I shared just at the beginning, that this, is, this psalm was used for the dedication of the temple. It's a personal psalm of thanksgiving that is now used by the whole nation of Israel. So if you can just picture, uh, they've been, you know, Israel has been sent into exile and years and years away, and then a few small number of them return, the remnant, and, you know, they've got opposition from outside, opposition from in, and they rebuild the temple, 
And then on the first day that the temple is in functioning order and use, this is the psalm that they use. It talks about salvation. They've been saved from exile. They've been rescued. And these eyes become we. God has saved us. God has used us. This personal psalm is now communal. And I think in that same way, that's how this reflection can be today. The partnership that All Saints has with CMS and with us as we head means that we can give thanks for all that God is doing in Cambodia. It's a communal thanksgiving. We can together give thanks for what, how we've seen God at work in the various ways in Cambodia. And it's a strengthening of our partnership together as we give thanks together. So in the same way as the Israelites, when they were celebrating this new glorious building being opened, maybe you know, kind of like this, although I think I'm a year too late, aren't I? <laughs> we can give thanks together, not just for the work that God is doing here in Sydney, in Balgala, but give thanks for how God is at work in Cambodia in our partnership together. Moving on to verse 4. Sing the praises of the Lord, you his faithful people. Praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. Again, we see that pattern of problem to salvation or crisis to being rescued. Here it's with anger to favor and weeping to rejoicing. Now, weeping at night. Rejoicing comes in the morning. The mention of anger reminds us that God's judgment hangs over us because of our sin. While there are problems that are outside our scope, actually what we need rescuing from is ourselves. And so we need to... What this means, I think, for us in Cambodia is that we come back and as we talk about all the ways that God has been at work, all the good things we've been doing... It's easy, it's, it's easy and tempting to get puffed up with pride at how God has been at work in Cambodia. And yet the recognition of this psalm is the reality of sin, even in our lives. The reality that in Cambodia, sin has been affecting us, has been affecting our ministry. It's a call to humility, to the repentance that you see there in the weeping. The weeping is kind of someone who has recognized what they've done and wants to change. But it talks about weeping as only a, a temporary thing. Weeping is the night, but rejoicing is coming in the morning. And what that points us to is not just then our own sin, but it actually points towards God's future. The hope that we have as we await Jesus' return. And as we're faced with the night of our own sin... Or in Cambodia, we're faced with the night of sin that is very obvious there, in the poverty that people are trapped in, in the trafficking that occurs and is just rampant throughout Cambodia, and in the, in the corruption in the governments and all through society. We weep with those who are, are trapped. And yet we have this word that rejoicing is coming in the morning. We have a hope to share with them to weep through repentance and forgiveness. We have a sure and firm hope in Jesus. And so we, we 
rejoice with those Christians who have, who have been able to come to know Jesus and encourage and disciple them as they await the morning, as we await the morning here in Australia. Verse 6. When I felt secure, I said, I will never be shaken. Lord, when you favoured me, you made my royal mountain stand firm. But when you hid your face, I was dismayed. In these two verses, the psalmist has a false confidence and then a true confidence. The false confidence is in himself in verse 6, where he says, I felt secure, I said, I will never be shaken. Or another translation could be, I will always be secure. And that always or forever will be important as we look on to verse 12. But this false confidence, the psalmist then puts in, in himself. Even though he's, he's been witness to God saving him. I mean, maybe this is speaking about before, but even after, there are times where we move our confidence, our hope, our trust from God into ourselves. A prime way that I, I see this happening in Cambodia with myself is recognizing God's provision but forgetting that He has provided them with me, that He's be, been the provider. So if I think about my language, you know, when, when, on the hard days when Kamai is really a struggle, it's easy to pray. Right? You, just, you realize that I can't, do this, I can't do this without God. And yet on the days when my Kamai is a bit easier... And I can look back and go, oh, I've made progress. And yet how simple it is, I've made progress. It's not what God has been doing. It's what my confidence is, I will never be shaken. Like the Israelites, when they were on the verge of the promised land, Moses said to them, when you go into the promised land and things are great, don't forget about the Lord. Don't look at what you've got in front of you and forget about the one who has given it to you. We can see God's provision for us and yet forget where it has come from. And yet in verse 7, we see where our security should be. Not in ourselves, but in God. In verse 7, He is the one that makes my royal mountain stand firm. I think the mention of mountain kind of points us to the fact that we're not going to have complete and utter security. There will be troubles, trials, and yet in Him making the mountain stand firm, He is guiding us even through those trials, even through those, so we have a security that is stronger than anything that is, everything that is passing away. He makes our mountain stand firm, that is where confidence is. But he also hides his face and we are dismayed. He even stands behind the hard times in a way that they're, they're not out of his control. The two words used there are kind of contrast. He makes our mountains stand, stand firm. So there's a real active involvement. And yet he hides his face. It's, it's, it's a different sort of role when it comes to the good and the hard times. He's not the cause of them, but he, those hard times are not outside his care. When we think about God's provision, whereas our confidence, these verses remind us to take it away from ourselves and put it in God. 
I think the way, the way I see that or the way you can diagnose it for myself, when, when I'm doing well, it's usually because I've had a few wins. I go, oh, that's yeah, in language. And then I keep, keep going the same way. And then before long, I've overextended myself and I'm yeah, overworked and overanxious and just everything's out and often prayerless. And at that point, tying it back to see that my confidence has actually been placed in myself. And so with Cambodia pushing us to the limit, he's been teaching me to continue to take away my confidence from myself and put it in him to provide. So the question would be then, in what areas have you placed confidence in yourself rather than in God whose provision he has provided for you? What are the areas where your trust is in yourself rather than the one who has given you either those abilities or the resources. This, This word isn't a word to look past God's provision to himself, to our great provider. Verse 8. To you, Lord, I called. To the Lord, I cried for mercy. What is gained if I'm silenced, if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hear, Lord, and be merciful to me. Lord, be my help. You turn my wailing into dancing. You remove my sackcloth and clothe me with joy, that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord, my God, I will praise you forever. If the first part of the psalm has been focused on what God has done and is doing, The second part moves to us. So it's not that God does everything and we let go and let God. This is not, the psalmist isn't talking about a fatalism that leaves no room for us. There is a place for our action within God who provides and who saves. And this this action, this purpose, is that we are saved not for silence, but for song. We see that salvation is not completed when he just pulls us out of the pit. Salvation is completed when that leads to our praise for him pulling us out of the pit. As you see in verse 12, or 11 to 12, you turn my wailing to dancing, you remove my sackcloth and clothe me with joy, that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord my God, I will praise you forever. Thankfulness, the psalm begins with praise, I will exalt you. And by the end, it's now, I will exalt you forever. I will praise you forever. Death in this psalm, and in many, is associated with silence. In verse 9, what is gained if I, if I am silenced, if I go down to the pit? Death and silence. And then the opposite is true as well. Life or salvation is with song, so that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. There is a movement in this psalm from God saving through to us singing. It's the same movement that we see in the Old Testament when God's people are saved out of Egypt through the Red Sea onto dry land. And what's the first thing they do when they get across there? They sing. Exodus 15 is the first song mentioned in the Bible And it's a song that has arisen out of them being saved. We're saved not for silence, but for song. 
And as the psalmist finishes there, he says, Lord my God, I will praise you forever, singing forever. Now, I don't think this is constant singing. It's more a, a framework of singing. But you see now, the psalmist has changed. He's now, his focus is on praising God forever. If you come back to verse 6, where he says, I, I, when I felt secure, I said, I will never be shaken. The same word for forever in verse 12 is there in verse 6. But in verse 6, it's about himself. I will, I will be firm forever, is his false confidence. And he's moved to that forever is now in praising. Through salvation to song and song and praise forever. But that, that picture of eternity of praising forever, it begins now. As the psalmist says, will the dust praise you? The very mention of dust reminds us of this world, the, the night that was talked about a few verses before, of this world of sin. And so, praise begins now. Our praise of God echoes out from us to the world. And as one commentator puts it, praise means that the faithfulness of God is heard in the world. People hear about God's faithfulness through our praises, and we only know that to be true the things that we love, we're endlessly talking about. And people hear it about, hear about it whether they want to or not sometimes. But the praise of the faithfulness of God echoes out through our praises. Salvation is completed when we're pulled out of the pit in order to praise. So if we think about then singing as a way of thinking about the Christian life, it's not, as I said before, it's not so much about, you know, just daily or, you know, 24-7 constantly singing, as uh, a preacher heard, I heard recently said, it's more about an attitude of gratitude, as glib as that is, but it, it captures this psalm and the way praise comes out. It's when you're grateful, you praise someone, oh, that was a great meal, oh, you did a great job there. It just flows out, almost like song does, as we praise together. And there's plenty of ways in which we could explore this across the Christian life, but particularly today, I wanted to think about what that looks like for partnership. How does praise together work with partnership? And I think as, we, as together we thank God for all that He has done in Cambodia, through us and even, even without us, we're strengthened in our partnership together. By giving thanks together, it's tying us closer together. And so just like the Israelites, when they were giving thanks for the work of the temple together, what began as a personal reflection is now them joining together in thanks. So we give thanks for how Jesus has bound us together in brothers and sisters in Christ. We give thanks for how he prepared us to go to Cambodia, how he used your prayer and your, your financial support to help us settle in and stay there and learn the language how even now, how the partnership is enabling us to be uh, strengthened, how we're refreshed as we visit and are mutually encouraged by one another, and how he's at work, even in Cambodia, while we're not there. And as we go forward, how he's strengthening us as we partner again with CMS to see the gospel ring forward in Cambodia. So what begins as a personal song of thankfulness is enriched as the church makes it our own. We give thanks for the way that the partnership of all saints, CMS and, and the Corks, 
And we can now own this psalm as we give thanks for all that he's done. So in closing, reading the psalm as we think about how God has been at work in Cambodia. I will exalt you, Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. Lord, my God, I called to you for help and you healed me. You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down to the pit. You turned my wailing into dancing and you removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord, my God, I will praise you forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it is you who is at work. At work when we notice it and in many ways when we don't. It's your provision. It's where our confidence should be. In those times where we've moved confidence from, our, uh, from you to ourselves, forgive us. But Father, in your work, you have saved us. You have, you have uh, joined us as a family in your Son. Equipped us to sing your praises as we partner together to see your name go out here in Balgawa, in Sydney, and echoing into Cambodia. Father, thank you for this partnership. Strengthen it and use us all to see many more come to know Jesus. We ask this in his name. Amen. As we conclude, can I remind you that Tuesday night and Wednesday night here in the church at 7.30,